A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'll take you for a ride on the devil ship. I'll take you for a ride where you sink or swim. Now come with me and let this story begin. Dion Owen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Pentelis. Wonderful to be here, buddy. We were trying to get this done for a moment. Should he have the mic closer? Is he not loud enough for you? Yeah, yeah. Poseidon right likes you loud. He likes me loud. There we go. Yeah. Oh, Is that there good we, there? Yeah. There we go. Oh, there Sick. we go. Is that sexy, Poseidon? There we go. Nice and Dude, deep. you came from uh, quite the trip around Europe. I want to talk about you yeah, cycling. Yeah. yeah. You took a bike all around Europe. I took a sweet. I have a cool travel bike that yeah. literally like the frame breaks in half. So uh, for my stand up tours, I've been going overseas a lot more and uh, trying to do mostly stand up. But I'll usually try to bike between cities and countries. And so it almost always starts at the Edinburgh Fringe. If you guys haven't heard of that festival, biggest arts festival on the planet. So I start there in August and then I'll do anywhere from the the last tour is eight months. This one's been about four and I had to take a brief hiatus. But I head back in January to do another uh, another few months. So. You cycling around Europe to me is hippie nonsense. <laughs> However, I like the fact that you got to experience all these different rooms, different countries, different. You're doing it in English, but you're going to Belgium. Yeah. You're going to Germany. The Germans not known for their patience. Yeah. Uh, so how how did that go? How was the tour? Well, the tour is great, man. There's a couple people I got to work with. Uh, English is like uh, it's an invasive species, and it's going to be everywhere. Yeah. And every country uses it as their second language. So you, as an English speaker, can tour the globe, right? And much like uh, probably a few of the Quebecers, like once you hit the height of Quebecois here, like you're like, okay, we're, uh, I'm at the, the, the pinnacle of uh, the Quebec scene. Most of them will be like, oh, I got to start doing some English. So you run into these people who are like literally millionaires in like the cabaret Dutch scene and they transition oh, wow. to English as well because you, your market's so much smaller. So it's pretty wild. One of my favorite moments, I was working with a buddy of mine, Victor Passescan, and he had sold out a nice like 120 seater on a Sunday in uh, Antwerp, Belgium. And he's in hosting English. in English. This is the cool part though. He asked the audience, he says, how many of you speak English as a first language? Not a single person. And so you have people from 20, 30 different nationalities minimum. And it's interesting because you have to like, like you have to get some fairly like basic human experiences because we don't all have the same pool of like when you get to do your common country person, you have all the same jokes. Like I had a joke about 90s cartoon and this one guy in this one venue was like, I'm Polish. I was like fighting chickens and fighting like refugees and like I wasn't watching fucking Care Bears. So it's, but it's so cool because you like- I was fighting refugees. Yeah, (laughs) but it's like- it's so cool because the, the English makes it accessible where like um, there's 500 million people in the continent of Europe and a good 300 million speak English as minimum a second language. That's, I never even thought about it, but it's obviously true because even in Greece, they'll speak English, they'll know German, Italian, they, they cater to the tourists. Yeah, yeah. Um, damn, Greece though, Greece and Italy have some of the lowest English proficiency, unfortunately. So those are one of the Keep few markets. No, it's true though. You know they start doing stand up in Greece. I know. I have a few friends who are doing it in there. Like strange. The scenes, yeah. Yeah. Strange. I might go. I might go to some. Me and Mike were talking for a while to maybe do like a weird tour. Like hit, a- hit me up, man. Uh, the, my favorite places go to Barcelona. It's wonderful. Portugal, unbelievable. Um, Italy has a few good spots, and like it's so wild to be on like a uh, uh, like a, a building. You're like, oh, is this like a Two like two thousand year old theater, and you're like, yeah, yeah, we like built this out of like an Acropolis. It's like, yeah, so it's pretty something sweet. crazy about that. Oh shit. yeah, and um, so you got back just now. You're gonna go back in January. Yeah, I remember in the summer I was seeing your your videos and your photos of being down there with the bike. Was it dangerous at all being on a bike everywhere? No, no, the the infrastructure is better there, right? Than like, here. No, yeah, Montreal is one of the few exceptions, but like other than London, because I did a month in London, like doing the clubs and hustling there, okay. and that was probably the worst commuting where I'm like. Avoiding fucking cabs. And Commuting was bad, but I heard that the f- comedy fans, it, like the English scene, 
They're good, huh? They're the golden. They're the golden standard because going out, similar that we talked about earlier, the Quebecois, going out and seeing art is part of the culture. Yeah. So in London, you're like, we'll go see like a cabaret or we'll see jazz or we'll go to something, right? And seeing comedy is in their blood. And they've been doing it for 50, 60 years where they're like once a month, we go see a comedy show. So they're uh, quite similar to my understanding is like black audiences. Like yeah. if, if you're not funny, they'll fucking eviscerate you. But if you're funny, they don't hold back and they'll just like give you that energy. So they're, they have a refined palate sort of, but they want to see shows and they don't want garbage. So it's a really nice balance of like where English Canadian audiences, they're like, oh, that was funny, do another. But they don't really like really let loose where the, 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 the English audiences are like, yeah, they'll like, they'll go nuts. And they're like any wordplay works well. Cause when I do the continent, if I have any subtle jokes, they're like the dead silence. And there, if I like, I have a joke about my mom's dildos and I say she left them out willy nilly. And I literally applause break in London, dead silence in Belgium. Obviously so, that's yeah. more, yeah, yeah. If you, you have to really understand the language and appreciate it to get that stuff. But that's good. You're not the first person, uh, Gabriel Omasi. <laughs> He's so, not very he fast, just got is he? It. Yeah, <laughs> he just got it. He just fucking got it. God damn it. Uh, I, 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 I get what they appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. yeah you <laughs> just get it later than they do. That's no, all. Man, that would be so hard to work with that perfect laugh that's very real, but you're like, this is like 30 seconds late, bro. Yeah, you're doing a new premise? Yeah. And you're like, really? The premise got you over there. <laughs> I slept yeah. four hours, bro. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, a lot of people speak English. How many speak retard? No, many. <laughs> so I'm glad you're back for a bit. Um, try to have you on one of my shows at the Bordel so you could enjoy that. It's a great fucking room. Yeah, dude, I've done it in French. Oh, and it's, it's like it's the shit, dude. The audience, it's as it's similar to like I got to do like one five minute spot at the comedy uh, the comedy store in London, and that's that similar vibe of like packed low ceilings pro club, and like when the audience goes, it just rolls. It's it just, just rolls, so good, and they're yeah. having fun. No yeah. one holds back. No. Did do you when you were there? Um, compared to the, because the English scene in Montreal is a little bit different than any other English scene in North America that I've seen. Yeah. And one of the biggest pet peeves I have with the English scene here is that the way it's set up, very hard for anyone to make. I'm not gonna say a career, but even any form of a Dude, living. One hundred percent career. Money to do it's all of Canada and Montreal specifically. It's fucked up. It's like fucked. Canada, you can't. It's hard to make a career, but yeah. in Montreal, they can't even. It you can't even consider it a second source of income in English. For sure. Is it like that in Europe? Um, similarly, some spaces. So weirdly, there's a sister city. It's Berlin. And crazy enough, like they have upwards of 10 shows a night there right now oh, in, English, in English, which is wild. But Berlin's a weird, it's an expat city. So it's like not run by Germans. And it weirdly costs the country money because they want it to be a weird arts hub. But there's so many good shows, but almost nothing pays. And it's a similar format where producers will make money and then maybe pay, but unlikely. And then your only way to make money is to produce a show. So the weird phenomena is that it makes a lot more shows because you're like, oh, I got to make a show or I can't make a living. But we have a weird phenomena here that like you just cannot make a living as a comic, especially in Montreal, let alone Canada. And I think I told you this story before. One year I was at the Comedy Works and the headliner was unreal. And I was like, dude, I've never heard of this guy. And unreal all, good? Unreal good. Okay. Like I was like taking notes, you know, when you're like, man, that was such a good, oh, we called back to that. Oh man, his like act outs and you're looking at his microphone usage Bill and the Cosby. writing's just so, t <laughs> but the writing's just amazing. You're like inspired by the, the performance and you're like, why don't I know this person's name? Right? Because we don't, we don't build our star system. Yeah. So like, I was like, I, I'm like, and I'm trying to grind to that level of obscurity. This guy's smashing his full weekend at the works and I've never heard of him and all I do is comedy. So similarly here, like we talked about like Wasim Al-Munzer, uh, David Pride. If you go interview on the street, you're like, do you guys know who David Pride is? No. Which to me is, f anyways, it's a, a great insult. It's a huge insult, but that's because as we talked about the Quebecers- But if they I know ask, who Poseidon is. If you ask who Poseidon is, you know the special needs uh, guy uh, <laughs> fucking on Pentel. <laughs> that guy's <stuff>. awesome. <laughs> exactly. So it's- um, 
the um, London has people that make a living. It's really hard to get up there. And then there's a few uh, comics who sort of do exactly what you do, where they build their own following and then they tour. But people based in each little city, they don't really make a full time income. They probably make a better income than Canadians, but which is embarrassing. It's pathetic, man. Like we got to be better. Like English English audience members, be a little better. And producers, if you're not paying, you fucking pay your copy comics. the French system. Copy, 100%. Try a bit, just a little bit. They, but you, you know why you can't? I think it's because it's cultural. In Montreal, I'm only saying because in Montreal, I noticed this that. Uh, the French scene will even support, as long as they understand, English people, if they're from Montreal, because like, yo, they're from here, they're from Quebec, so yeah. it's ours, let's support it. Whereas in English, more often than not, if it's from here, even if it's the best thing ever, until someone else accepts it, like the States or the rest of Canada, yeah. they don't give a fuck. Which is crazy, because you're never going to nurture uh, a home base of talent. It's yeah. impossible. Yeah, You have to support it. These guys come out like, what, it's Montreal? Yeah. All right, let's go. Let's build this guy. Let's build this girl. I think, though, uh, I had a buddy who um, runs a small club in Philly now, and uh, he had a weird thing that I think is true, is, like, you can... It's really hard to be a headliner in your hometown. Yeah. Because anybody who knows me, they'll be like, dude, I saw you in, like, 2015, and you were dog shit. Yeah. And so they still, like... I remember when you're just doing mediocre puns and eating shit, and they're like, yeah, yeah, but I put, like, eight years of hard work in. So it seems like you have to go get success elsewhere, and then when somebody says, like, oh, you have a special now, and I saw you, like, sell out a couple theaters, then when you come back, then finally... Then your clubs will be like, okay, let's accept you. But otherwise, it is weird because other systems are like you build your artists and then you support them but here they're like starve go get success elsewhere and then I'll, and then I'll fuck with you but it makes it too difficult man like here well, people the, leave that's people why we leave, don't yeah. how many headliners have we had exodus right well I, the ones that come to mind that I think were un, like so there was like when uh, let's say Massimo I think like Massimo left now he's in the states yeah. but Massimo's one of the funniest people on the, the globe might be yeah I've seen him cause physical pain to Dude, audience he members he's so funny he's so, so f- funny. such a good comic and he's just got such a good f- he's just having fun he's sort of he's got that fearless wild bullshit that's so delightful he, he, when uh, she was even Iman uh, you know Iman yeah yeah she left she was one of the better comics yeah and she fucked off yeah yeah, no, because her and Jess fucked off, and then they had good success there, and then Massimo fucked off, because it's you can't make a living in Canada, really. Like, no, Sammy, there's only Sammy like, went and dominated all of France. Well, he's he's killing it. He's yeah. one of the few guys selling out. I think uh, not selling out, like, but selling out things. He's doing the opposite of selling out. He's um, the, he's a good sellout for he's sure. Se- yeah, he's it's his business. He created yeah. it, and he's fucking selling out he's everywhere he goes. Because who else? Like, name another Canadian comic who makes a good living. Like, Mahesh is solid, but he, I think, lives, spends half Merhe- the time Merhej in New York. States. And Mahesh, again, one of the best talents we have. Yeah. He's like, fuck off, I'm out of here. Yeah. And the only guy, does K-Trev uh, live here now? I think K-Trev I don't lives know, in Toronto. But K-Trev could do whatever he wants. Yeah. He's, he's good. He can act and he's a good stand-up. So he could go where the fuck he wants and yeah. he's going to be successful. And we lost Deanne Smith, fucked off as well. Deanne Smith was one of the funny, yeah. like, and but she I was think a, she started she from Seattle, came to Montreal. Yeah. And then, so her, at least she had that connection, but yeah. she, her two, all the real, real funny people have to leave, all the good ones. Which I hope we can change it. I don't know. You guys are putting in the work where, like, you and, like, Abba and Preach make an income now, and yeah. then, like, so there, it's doable. Yeah, but it's fucking hard. And I had to go elsewhere, too. I, yeah. I went on Joe Rogan. Like, yeah. you had to do all this other shit. Yeah. You know? And I leave. I'm always, like, in French. The only reason why I'm, I'm mostly, because I was going to the States a lot before uh, the pandemic. But now it's because of French. I could stay here. I could just do all kinds of stuff in Quebec, and I'm yeah. having so much fun. Yeah. So I don't What's think the about population going in south. Quebec. It's like 10 million. 10 Eight. million people. Yeah. yeah. So that's and they like because you have you probably have four million people who know you here, right? Just the kids don't know. I have no like, idea. Yeah, it's a lot though. It's I get I get um, yeah I get a lot of messages and noticed a lot too. So it's a, so it's just a, a different pool to play with. Yeah. And in French because they don't. They let you go like dark places with your humor, and they don't yeah. judge. They understand it's jokes. Yeah, I get to experiment more. So it, it, even though it's it's a harder, it's not as easy as English would be for me. Yeah. Like everything just comes out. It it's so much fun to do whatever you want on stage, yeah. and you know that they're not going to get mad. 
Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, reason why I like doing well, it. Well, I remember I was so happy for you because we were hanging out the other day and you've always been like, you like to go in some edgy spots. And yeah. if I give you a five minute spot, it's really hard for people to be like, because yeah, yeah. they're not ready for it. Or if they just want like wacky doodle garbage, um, which that's yeah, fine sometimes. But I was very happy when you're like, dude, I have people come in to see me. So they know who I am and then I'm going to get a funny spot, but they have to be patient and that I'm not, the intent is not to hurt people. Yeah. Cause like intent is so important and like on a funny note, but I keep getting like whenever I do that fringe festival, the one year I did almost a hundred sets in a month. And then this year I did probably 80 and 25 of those are my solo and then 25 hosting. And it's wonderful because you get so many different audiences and like, it's, I don't know why, but we'll just shit on them. But like white women are so offended yeah, yeah. and I'm like, I've never had it's a complaint. I've never had a complaint from almost any other demo, but I'm also willing to listen and like, I'm trying to grow, but often I listen and I like write it down. I'm like, you just gave me my best joke of my set because of how you're offended, how dumb it is. And now I'm like, I just get to like make fun of you every time now. So literally like my current favorite joke is the one lady who was offended and I was like, perfect, I'm writing this down, but I'm listening. Tell me, go, oh, yeah, all right. Um, it's, it's all an act I've noticed. It's, um, I want to show how nice I am. I'm going to get offended on behalf of someone else. Yeah. It's like, listen, stupid. If the person the joke is about yeah. gets it and laughs, yeah. you have no business talking. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Such a weird phenomenon we got going on, yeah. man. But someone wrote this on Twitter the other day and I agreed with them. Uh, people who do that, I'm offended. This is, they think it's some kind of a measurement of their value or their yeah. value or their intellect. Yeah. But all it measures is your low IQ. Mm-hmm. You have to be an imbecile mm-hmm. to get offended by something that's optional. It's art. It's optional art yeah. that you don't have to consume. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's it's sort of like, uh, it's like, I think, I'm, I feel like being offended is a bit of a choice. And mm-hmm. like, one of my favorites is still like Abdul. I remember him talking about this where um, he, people are angry and he's like, dude, we don't have any power. We're comics. We have nothing. Like, yeah. there's politicians are like rocking the planet and you're just like not bitching. And like, that doesn't offend you? Yeah. You're like, there's horrible things happening at all times. We have like, Sergakis has like destroyed the housing market and you're like, Pentelis told a joke about a dog pussy and I don't think it was okay. It's just wild. Yeah, hey, what do you have against dog pussy? <laughs> Sounds all bitches. Um, so now what, what are you what are your plans what are you doing next I, i'm here for a month so i unfortunately had to come on a sad note i was gonna come for just a i was gonna surprise my family and come for like a week at the end of uh, december and spend some holidays here because like one year in 2018 i spent christmas in a hostel in london and initially like you know how hard you work to do comedy so you're like, you know, i'm grinding it but you're like i'm grinding it's gonna be good i'm hustling i'm following my dream i did like the comedy store and i did these yeah. small theaters it's one of the saddest moments of my life dude waking up in a hostel and this energy is so weird so i like realized like i can't do that again so i had shows booked in ireland until the uh, 23rd and then i was going to fly back from dublin and then spend a uh, uh, time here till the fourth but then unfortunately i had a, a family member pass away suddenly so i uh, i uh, i i've had to deal with like, a bit of grief over the last couple of years and like it's very helpful you come together and like try to support those people who are going through it because it's hard on me but his direct family it's it's really rough so i i canceled the irish tour headed back uh, it was a bittersweet a very heavy moment but it was wonderful to have we have an irish catholic family so there's literally like the dude uh, he's the same age as me we we're super close and like 500 people came to his funeral and it was like emotional and lots of cries and lots of hugs so i uh, i put I, sure not, I shouldn't have killed him <laughs> for sure not but uh you do what you got to do um so I'm back. Uh, I'm just back for a month here. And then I go back to, uh, I've got a bunch of shows booked in London for all of January. And I'm in a cool festival called the Utrecht Comedy Festival, which is probably the one of the bigger festivals on the continent. In the it's, Netherlands? In the Netherlands, yeah, yeah. So they run it in a couple different, because like the Netherlands is tiny. Like it has a good like eight, 10 million people, but it's like the size of like, it's the size of like New Brunswick. Yeah, it's very small. It's tiny. So like, they they'll run canals. a show. A lot of canals. And so um, they have a, I have a show in Antwerp for that festival and a couple other venues. And it's like pretty sweet. I get to, I think I get to work with Glenn Wool, which I'm super excited about. 
huge fan. And so I'll be there in February and March. And then um, I'll uh, I'm booked the tour about three to four months ahead. So uh, uh, I think I've got some shows at the end of March in Barcelona and then go from there. While you're here, are you starting any of your shows back up? Because like, remember the bike shop show that you had? That's- yeah. That your bike shop show that I talk about, that's like, I met Mike, it was a show, yeah. but that was your show. That was my show. The funniest part about all this, buddy. So I have an ex-girlfriend who's a Quebecer, lovely lady. And uh, Suze Coot is like, this is the Tonight Show. Suze Coot is the biggest show in Quebec. Dude, so yeah. all of my Quebecer friends, they listen to it for news and for laughs. And she was like, oh, mon dieu, like your, your show was, it, you were talked about, Mike, we're talked about you. And I was like, what happened, babe? And she's like, Mike, what he talked about you? You got to hear it. And I was like, okay, all right. Like, what did you say? And it's so funny because uh, uh, Mike was like, so I was at this fucking weird ass fucking artsy bullshit show. And it's like in a <laughs> yeah, bike yeah, shop. Like, yeah. And it's fucking dirty and grimy. And there was like a poet on the lineup. And I was like, fuck, that was the one time I did book a poet. But it was Mart who's like fucking hilarious. That's amazing. But it was so funny. And so he was like, and that's where I met Pentelis. And I was like, well, that's not great. <laughs> that's what he's talking about. That's amazing. Yeah, I know, but he wasn't like the show was cool. This oh, guy it's the way hard. Mike talks. Yeah. I know, I, I get it that everybody was like, you got to make the laugh since generally it's an accurate yeah. representation. But for like, I poured my heart in that because I love those weird shows. So I thought he'd be like, it was super cool. This guy worked great. He was a great comic. So but artsy. But he didn't mention like, oh, that guy was good or funny. He was like, this is such a weird place. And then I met this fucking big dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Poseidon, that was it. So I wasn't like, it wasn't great. And with Seam had a similar thing because he was mentioned at Suze Coot. And uh, they were literally like, oh, there's kind of like fat guy. <laughs> no, for what? Was what like, was Wasim? What? Wasim did a, a show for like the bad boys or something. Okay. And he did it in French. And the other comic who was uh, being interviewed bullshitting with Mike was like, oh, there's this really good English comic, but he's a little nervous. He's kind of a little fat and bearded and shit. Fat and bearded. That's, describe that's how I described him. Because Wasim was literally working another job. And the Quebecers, when you have normal jobs, you're like, oh, you're not really a comic. Yeah. And then we're like, did Mike Ward mention you? You're like, you're a god, right? And they were like, but he listened to it. He's like, fuck, that wasn't wasn't the compliment I was looking for. But. <laughs> yeah, but let me let me explain something about Mike because he's spoken about me on Suzekud as well. Yeah. And he has probably shat on me more uh, than anyone. The hardest out of anybody he's ever shat on on Yeah, he did, he did call you a child molester. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I <laughs> know, because he saw your hard drive. Well, cause, yeah, exactly. You know, I saw, he, I showed him the bodies as well. I thought yeah. he was going to accept me. But no, what happened with you? I don't remember. Uh, the, the tour bus thing and uh, yeah, all that shit. Okay, yeah, yeah. Recently. I can't remember, but I, I understand what Anyways. you're saying. Go on. So I, I had a series of um, unfortunate events. Unfortunate events. Yeah, and he shat on me like royal, but he still loves me. Yeah. So if it, it's like, just the way he talks, it's I just know. the way to say. He knows. Yeah, it's just the, the the way to say like he he. So the girl that you were dating I don't know how at to the time. This. But but I know. But Poseidon, we all know you're like a lovable idiot. Like yeah. I'm I'm yeah. a bit of an idiot, but I'm kind of a cool dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I thought he'd be like this guy is fucking such a cool such dude, such a cool dude. But no. <laughs> But because of that show, we met. And then two drink minimum, yeah. French, all that all stems from that meeting. Yeah, I know. It's super awesome. And he was, um, I'm going to give Mike a needless compliment because it was one of the coolest things. So he like, similar to like when you, I got to book a couple like really good headliners and they always did the same thing. They're like, hey, you don't have the budget for me. So just don't advertise me and uh, roll through. So Mike, I had a budget to pay him and he literally was like, I don't need the money, bro. And yeah. so I was I'm like, just do it. Yeah, and I was like, it was awesome. The only shitty part was, uh, I think he had to go in the middle. So I was like, he's he had a headliner spot, but then another comic had to headline. He's like, dude, this sucks. And I was like, I'm sorry, but it's here. So Mike smashed, and like, it was very cool because Mike is like a celebrity, and so I had a couple bike mechanics because like, I would. It was funny. I, I would when I pitch people shows, I'm like, I actually have a connection to some of the good comics, and they're like, who do you like? And like all the Quebecers, like, dude, could you get like Mike Ward and Sugar Sammy and like Preach and Abba and like Bentelis? So once in a while, I get these people to roll through, and literally the mechanics were like, dude, that was my dream. So I had one guy, Colin, and he like took photos with Mike and he was like, dude, I can't believe I got to meet Mike Ward. And he was like in my shop and this was so sick. So it was like, it's such a pleasure and it's 
coming as an anglophone is so different where I'm like, I got like one of the number one celebrities in French to come do my fucking little 75 seater in a bike shop. And, and he, he did fucking well then. Oh, he smashed. He's smashed, so good, yeah. man. And it, it was at the height of where he had been fucking pretty overwhelmed by this bullshit scandal. Yeah. And I was really appreciative. And he's like, dude, I'm having a, yeah, he smashed and he's always good. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, both languages. For sure. One of my favorite moments, one of the first times I moved here at the old Yuxa location, Ward came in. I had no idea. He was like, oh, this guy sells out like fucking the Bell Center now. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, it was when he was just getting sued. And so he did the bit that he got sued on because he's like, I'm about to get sued for this. So fuck it. And I laughed so hard, man. That's, 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 that bit live was fucking Yeah, dude, amazing. it's a great fucking bit. It's a great bit. Yeah, it was. Anyways, that, that I'm glad that's all over with. It is funny to think about how you um, people don't know until they know. But technically, because you booked that show and you had asked me to be on and all that, you were indirectly responsible for two drink minimum existing. Yeah, yeah. Which is fucking radical. And you getting to do a, a podcast at the Bell Center. Oh, so dude, yeah, all me, that. You yeah, owe yeah. me a lot of money, dude. Bro. Holy you owe me a fuck, lot of money. bro! At this least a hundred thousand dollars. This coffee's a start. But how nuts is it if you because th- you don't think about. Little decisions. And also that night might have been even my last set in English because I was getting so fed up that I was doing oh, so much. Dude. Yeah, that I was doing so so much and there's not there's no like um there's there's no there was, reward there's for there's no it. reward. There was no path there's to, no path for success. And I had gone to play I, I remember that was the year that I had I think I went to LA and I had done the Ice House and I like I was getting booked and I was doing fun shows like I was getting recognition elsewhere but not here. Yeah. So I was like, fuck, there's nothing. There's nothing. so imagine if I had cancelled and didn't do it and I had quit that night. Before I came there? Yeah. It would have changed everything. Dude, this is a wonderful uh, moment. So uh, one of my favorite moments uh, um, is uh, when my dad, I think he was turning 65 or 63 or some weird number. I took him to um, John Cleese. Okay. So John Cleese was forced to retour because his ex-wife sued him. And he was forced to pay. And he's like, fuck this bitch. I should be doing like random art shit. And I'm st- I literally have to retour because I owe her so much money. And so it, it was the fastest thing to sell out in Victoria. is in Victoria, British Columbia. And so the tickets sold out within like seconds effectively. But I went and posted on um, on like uh, Craigslist or Kijiji being like, hey, this is like my comedy idol. And I'd love to take my dad for his birthday if anyone has tickets. Lady contacted me. She's like, hey, I saw your ad. I really touched my heart. I got two tickets for you and your dad at cost. Let's roll through. Oh, nice. Me and my dad went and saw Cleese. And it was one of the most profoundly helpful moments. Because Cleese is a comedy god. Like yeah. realistically, if you, Monty Python, those movies still hold up. Like they're so good. Not only they changed... Things back then, they uh, it made people realize what they can do, it what they could shape the ideas, shape comedy. the whole. Yeah. So Cleese had a moment though that stuck with me as an artist because, uh, like yourself, I've had those moments where like, can I keep doing this? When I like look at my bank account and yeah. like I've had shows where I pay everybody. So some shows I've I've I like that bike shop show. I made sure I paid everyone. There's a couple shows I lost money on. It would take me like yeah. three to five hours of setup, three to five hours of takedown plus hosting, and I'd be like, and it I, costs you money. And I'm like, I paid seventy five bucks for this, and you have to sit there and be like, what am I doing? So. The nice thing was Cleese talked about no matter how good you are, no matter how hard you work, no matter how talented you are, you need a little bit of luck. Yeah. And what he said was uh, when they first pitched Monty Python, they went into the BBC and the, the executive was like, okay, Cleese, what you got for us? He's like, oh, we got like a sketch show. And he's like, okay, he's going to have like um, humor, skits, music. It's going to be a house. What's it going to look like? And he's like, I don't have a pitch. I don't have anything. And he looks at his boys. He's like, I don't, I don't know. There'll be some sketches, I think maybe some music. And he's looking around. He's like, we're fucked. We're going to get thrown out of the office. And the guy literally goes like, here's a bunch of money. You've got 12 episodes. Get the fuck out of my office. And he's like, that moment is Change why everything. Monty Python exists. And had that guy got, had like a bad morning, a fight with his wife. Right. But he's in a good mood. Felt good. 
that's the reason Monty Python exists. So similarly, when you like, you're pushing so hard and you just need that one moment where Mike Ward's like, Hey, I like you. You're great. I like your vibe. All of a sudden you, you just get that rejuvenation, but there's so many people out there who you, you just, you gave up just at the wrong moment or you just never got that lucky break. They never um, get the lucky break I've seen, but also the giving up right before I've seen a lot. And that scares me. Like I think about myself. Because I thought about it, I go, that night I could have easily, it was a shitty winter night. I could have easily canceled. Been like, Ugh, fuck this, I don't want to do it, right? I've never canceled a show. So yeah. imagine if I had canceled that one time. The, like, this is my last show, fuck it, I'm not doing it. Yeah, I can't be bothered. It's, it's so crazy to think about little things. Yeah. And if I knew, like, if you knew how close you are, would you even consider uh, stopping? No, never. No. But you don't know. No, because it's, and there's no, we talked about this earlier, there's other trades and shit where comedy is such a weird one. Like if me and you want to be carpenters, we'd literally be like, okay, we got four years of school, then we're red sealed, then we're getting paid this. Things laid out. There's no roadmap here. Um, and we talked about that earlier that I wish, and I appreciate we talked to this before off mic, is like, you're in a position now where it's weird when you look around, you're like, oh shit, I'm like a pro headliner now. It's, and it's like, strange to talk to English, comics. English though, comics yeah. look to me for guidance. And like, I remember the guy who was running, one of the guys I think running the third floor or whatever, was like, man, I got Pentelis on here. I'm like, man, that guy, I play ball hockey with that guy. Yeah. That guy's fucking... We're dudes. Yeah, he's like, and he can't shoot. Hey, we're homies. <laughs> you got to work on your shot, though. That's the only reason I'm here, Listen, buddy. Listen, bro, I'm, I'm there coming. to block shots. Oh, okay, you are. You're a good block shot blocker, but we got to work on those. Uh, we got to work on those oh, slap, slap shots. Shot, yeah. yeah. Um, but that you're now in a position where you can mentor and help those roadmaps a little. That you can be like, hey, here's how you get there. Here's how you get there. And like paying people, picking pe people on the road. Like if you find a guy you like and you take him on or a girl and you take him on the road, that's so helpful. And those are the breaks we need. And they don't, they're so hard to find in Canada. But now you're in a position where you can help those people not give up and give them those little moments. You're like, you got this, bro. Well, I have a guy that I always bring with me. He's my friend, uh, and he, he's breaking out, too, at the same time as me now, Emil Khoury. Oh, Emil, Cause yeah. Because he, he does French and English. Like, yeah. so I could bring him, if I'm doing English or in French, to open. So when he needs me, like, I just for laugh, same thing. There was one night where he was doing his hour, yeah. and his opener uh, had something happen. He's like, yo, you want to come fast, fast open for me? I'm like, fuck yeah, bro. Yeah. So I went down, so we opened for each other. Uh, and he's he does both languages. We um, we became friends a couple of years ago. And he saw, he's the, he kind of motivated me too, because he had told me, because I was nervous about doing it in French. And he's like, no, dude, you got something, you got the podcast, you got things going on. If you plan it out, you can make this work. Yeah. And uh, he was with me the whole time. He's, my first hour, it was Emil that opened for me. Yeah. My, like all the, it's, it's Emil. It's like, uh, he's there. And uh, now I get to like see his success. His podcast in French is doing phenomenal. His out, like his, his stand up is doing well. He's getting booked at a lot of places. So it's fun to see that like someone growing with you. Yeah. Uh, so I like Emil. I like Was, but Wasim shouldn't. Wasim's a headliner in my eyes. Well, he's a hundred percent headliner. He's, he's I've seen Wasim bury numerous good American come to the nest, and I'm well, like, for, well, uh, Wasim is is a headliner. He's he's a headliner. it's just that the way the system is here. They don't give him a shot. They don't give him a shot. No, he should be out. Um, no, he, it's fucked. But he. But don't worry. Now that I have some, like, pull and I have a club that you know I work with and I put on shows yeah. or that. Like, was I, well, dude, what seems been on the show? Yeah, it's we've done it what four or five yeah. times now. He's been on there three times. Oh, good. But yeah, I, yeah. I literally because I was thinking about because I'll probably do which I'll plug at the end. I'll probably do uh, that weird bike cafe. I'll do one show while I'm here. Do it's it. Like, yeah. So I'll give it a plug at the end. But I messaged with him right away to be like, hey, are you available to date? He's like, nah, I'm booked, oh. which is great, though. But I'm so happy when you have friends. You're like, nah, I'm booked. Uh, going back quickly to a meal yeah. rolling with you. Yeah, this is probably one of my favorite things I think you can relate to. Um, when I work with comics who are like trying to see this too much as a commodification, which is hard to like, when you rely on it as, a, as income, it's very stressful. Yeah. And it's very hard to get there. 
But I also try to explain to people when it's fun and good, it's the best. Because I assume there's nothing better than you and Emil having a good set. And then you go and hang out after. Yeah. And that hang, because you have all this energy in you. And you start just laughing and you're eating and giggling. You're like, oh, remember when that lady said this and your joke worked? And it's like, my honestly, my favorite. And it feels like a hockey game. Like when we have a hockey game, we're well and we're shooting shit in there. And like, who's that fucking idiot who um, sat down and like refused to play? Oh, Freddie James. Freddie James. Yeah. And we're like all like, Freddie, what are you doing, bro? So when you have those moments after a after a uh, after a good show especially when you have like a sort of a showcase when it's like six of you and you all go sit down and have food after that may be my favorite part of comedy that is my favorite part everyone's most comics is their favorite part the hang the that's hang. that's why podcasts exist that's why oh, i love dude, doing podcasts. this is it's just hanging it's just a hang yeah dude poseidon gets to experience that because he's with when i'm doing a tour when mike's doing a tour he's there so he take he doesn't do the stand-up aspect of it but the whole before after he's there yeah. so he gets to experience the best parts yeah he gets to experience the in the green room us fucking around getting mad at someone that was heckling or anything yeah. that happened. Like he's there for all that shit, so he knows what you're, what you're talking about. Like he yeah, feels yeah, that yeah. shit. Poseidon, how do you feel being part of that stuff? Oh, I loved it. It's the best part. Yeah, 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 it's amazing. And I have him too when I do in English. Same thing. Emil opens, but besides that, Poseidon yeah. takes care of everything. Poseidon's security. Poseidon takes care of the door. That's your security. Yeah, that's my security. Dude, when you get bigger, you got to get at least another guy. A little well, more. <laughs> now maybe I'm gonna have to get another guy because he's security. Yeah. But now because he's known. Oh yeah. They people don't are like, ah, oh, Poseidon. Let me take a yeah, photo yeah. with Poseidon. And you're like, no. no, no I'm I'm not letting people in. There's no yeah. rapper yeah. that security guard is getting photos with, right? No. That's, that's, <laughs> that's so it's just funny. Poseidon. It's just in common that's happened Poseidon. So, but it's fun because you know, I, I he he's good at the door, and sometimes I'll bring my nephew too, one of my older nephews, yeah. to come to help him out with tickets and all that yeah. shit. So that because I know he's gonna get. Hey, how old? How old's your nephew? Uh, he's nineteen. Now. Nineteen. So 18, it's so 18, funny. 18. So a lot of the European shows don't have like a guidance level and it's you as the cop can be like, what age do you want to get brought in here? So I had the fucking funniest one and I, I have to cut it to make clips on a weird note. Some fucker stole my laptop on the train, oh, no. but it's super weird where they just reached in, took my laptop, which was like a good editing laptop and like rebuckled it. Didn't take the power cord or anything. So you didn't notice. I didn't notice. And then I got to Antwerp and unpacked. I was like, where's my laptop? So and you were sitting down. I was sitting down and my shit was just on the edge and I was just chilling and somebody just went in and ganked it and like they did it so smooth. I'm kind of proud of them. But um, so the weird part was I was like, oh, it seems like I must have left it at my buddy's in Berlin. So I like messaged. He's like, no, it's not here. And then I took a time lapse of my cool travel bike, like break it apart. And I look and I see me putting it in the bag. I was like, oh, it's gone. But um, so I've got a clip, but I had to I'm using a different system to edit right now. On a very cool note, I got to plug this because I have a good friend, uh, Brady Villetson. I got a bit of a story here, but okay. Brady and uh, Brady and me were both dorks back in high school. We played magic cards together. Fucking losers. But we loved it. I, mean, I literally just went to a store that sells magic cards because yeah. I wanted to see what it was like. Yeah. There's a store that exists here. Yeah. Where it's two floors. Yeah. It's called Abyss. Yeah. It's two fucking floors. Yeah. And, and there's a restaurant. You can order food. You go down and play with your friends. Yeah. Or buy shit. Yeah. And they'll bring you food. Yeah. I wish that existed when I was young. No, I know, but we'd get like have to fight people to not like be like to beat you up. Yeah, yeah to be like fuck <laughs> yeah, you, I got to beat you up now so you can't make fun of me. So me and Brady used to be dorks, play fucking like uh, Warhammer and Magic, and I hadn't seen Brady in a couple years. And then I'm downtown Vancouver. I might have been a little high on some drugs, and I was at like this dance club, and I was outside like smoking a cigarette. And then this fucking guy starts walking towards me just down the street, and he's got such swagger. He's like jacked. He looks fucking great. His hair is perfect. He's fit. And I was like, this fucking guy. All of a sudden, I look. I'm like Brady. He's like, Dion. I was like, holy fuck, Brady. So I hug him. I'm like, what are you up to? The dude climbed his way. So he's one of the best like VJs. So he does like the visuals. So on a cool note, he used to tour with Cardi B as her visual person. Oh, and shit. And so I messaged him because I was about to order a laptop. And I know he does like high-end visuals now, which is super cool. He does Unreal Engine. So you know how like with the... Um, 
with the Mandalorian. They do like all those visual oh, effects. Oh, bro, we know what Unreal is. So he's, he's the one of the premier guys doing that shit now. But I messaged him be like, hey, buddy, my laptop broke. And he's like, oh, I have a spare. And he was like, I used it for like when Cardi B, I rolled with oh, her. What a so nice I've got, dude. And it's like a high end game. And I look it up, I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's like a 5G laptop. He's like, yeah, what I don't a use nice it. Fucking... I have a couple spares. And I was like, what a, what a G. Yeah. But it was, uh, so that was really cool. But so, What's his name? Uh, Brady Villetson. Brady Villetson, yeah. fucking G move there. Yeah, he's a, one of my favorites. And so he's, it's so cool to see your your childhood friends like all of a sudden have like success. Like it's wild to be like, holy shit, buddy, I you're like doing shit. this shit. Um, and uh, the, um, but I got to make this clip because I was doing this small theater in The Hague. And uh, midway through the show, and I literally had just done a joke. I'm like 30 minutes in. I had done a joke about like wet buttholes and shit. And I look and I'm like, it's either a midge or a kid. I'm like, how old are you? And they're like, 11? And I was like, what? And I look and there's another tiny person. I was like, how old are you? They're like, also 11. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, are you the mom? And she's like, yeah. I was like, either you're the best or worst mom in the world. I like, haven't decided yet. Yeah. And so I was like, you're going to have cereals going to be weird tomorrow when you're like, I hope this Canadian guy can do sex ed. Yeah. And so like, it was so funny. And then it was like, it ended up being like 15 minutes of the set where I was like, oh, I had some jokes about polyamory that I'm not sure I'm going to do. And like, but I was like, I'd already, the best part though, I was so grateful that I saw them mid, like I would, I probably would have asked them to leave honestly earlier. Cause I'm like, Hey, I don't want to be the person to educate your kids. Like, yeah, it's, that's not fun for me. But once you've already been like, I've said the, already the horrendous stuff. Like I've said, I've dropped cunt and I've said wonderful shit. And so we're already that's past That's a weird it. European thing. I would never bring my kids to a stand. They're not even allowed in here. You have to be 18 For and sure. But there's the, they have like, like similar where they, you can drink as like a child there. Right. So they have, it's up to the parents often if they want to bring you in, as I said, as a comic, I would have like, I didn't know the door person would fucking let them in, but you know, you're just in a venue. It's dark and you're telling yeah, yeah. jokes. So it was like, but I have great clips from this. Cause I was like 11 year olds. Like, what are you doing? That's absurd. So, that was oh, my was first show. I think I had done, you know, uh, like, uh, Tadeo would, Franco Tadeo would book, or like the Italian shows and all that. There was, yeah. a sh- I think it was raising money for cheerleaders. And it was my first show with him. <laughs> raising money for cheerleaders, yeah. really? But the cheerleaders weren't there. Like okay. I even asked. I yeah. go to the cheerleaders. like, no, no. And it's just the parents. Oh, okay. So then I went on stage and there was fucking children in the front row. Like yeah. younger than what a cheerleader would be. Like yeah. eight, six. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, are, you people, I go, are you guys all okay? They're like, all right. Yeah. You're going to have some explaining to do tomorrow, but I'm, yeah. I'm doing my fucking set. No, you're like, I don't have, I don't have, and like. And I had just started. Yeah. So. Oh, you're fucking new. You're I was like, new. I, I was getting have, paid I for that. Have, but I was you know, 12 halfway. minutes that yeah. were really hard to build. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was like, fuck it. These kids are going to listen to my poor shit about <laughs> fucking, you know. <laughs> Some people do that. They don't think. They, I would never. But I also like, they have the internet. I saw kids at a fight at Madison Square Garden. There was kids there. Remember that beside People had their, yeah, yeah, I their saw children that. I was like, at what a the fucking fuck? MMA fight. And I was like, all it is is violence. Uh, degenerates yelling. Yeah. What do you bring a child here for? Well, my mom had an interesting topic at this, though, is that we weirdly, and we're more so here in uh, is Anglophones, we taboo sex so much and we normalize violence. Because my mom was like, I hate that a film will be like PG-13 and this guy kills like 50,000 people. That's, and you're like just gunning him down the head. She and point. she's like, just show a dick or a pussy. Like, those yeah. are fine. And so... The funny thing was my uh, my buddy Dave has a wonderful girlfriend, uh, uh, Gigi, and she's Quebecois. And uh, they had that exact thing where they were like, they were watching something with like the 11, 12 year olds and there was sex and that was fine. And Dave was like, oh, this is weird. But when there was violence, they're like, oh, we don't want them to watch this. Cause they're like, this is, this is not normal. Like it's, I have such mixed feelings about MMA. Cause when you see it, it's so cool. I love MMA, but it's just, I think there should, it's so violent. Yeah. It, it's. It's not like other sports. It's not that bad, honestly. Yes, it is Dude, because it's so violent. Brain... It's gladiatorial. It's yeah. very. It's it's so violent. Besides, I love MMA, but I'm yeah. saying you can't. We do normalize violence a lot. Yeah, hundred percent. And especially at a live event, 
if there's alcohol, there's violence, there's whores, bunch of whores in there. Uh, <laughs> it should it should have been eighteen year olds. Over. That's what I think. But who the fuck am I? Maybe I'm just an old man. But it's just what I'm saying is the hard part is the the I think the bar of entry of what they get inundated with has gone down. We also were the early generation of I remember being in high school at like 14 people like, hey, I got this decapitation video. Yeah, that's what I saw. I saw that. I saw the I watched the exorcist when I was like eight or 10 or yeah. some shit. So it's we went through it differently. Yeah. And I, I saw everything I shouldn't have seen early. Yeah. So now I try to not say, oh, because I did it. You should do it, too. Now I see more of, well, did I really need to watch? No. I really didn't need to no. watch that shit. So, yeah, so I, I personally, but it's the parents' control, but you as the artist ideally have control to be like, hey, like, I would pretty much tell my sets to anybody 16 plus. I'm kind of like, if you I really want I will not censor it, myself. That's why it's, yeah. it's your fucking job. I but can't ask. I weirdly think at about 16, kids are like- Yeah, 16, they can listen to me. Yeah. Anything under that, I'm like, you don't bring them. But as I said, I- I wouldn't bring them live, though. I think you should be 18 live because mm -hmm. anywhere I perform, there's alcohol. Yeah, yeah, but the rules are different depending on what yeah. country you're in. And if um if they're like a theater, they're like, oh, this is open. Like, there's technically alcohol, but you like- it's not the same as like a bar liquor license. It's more like a restaurant yeah. than yeah, a bar. Yeah. It's very strange, this shit. It's very weird. My weirdest set, uh, did you ever do a show at Dollar Cinema? That no, I never did a show. One? No, no, So no, I, I forget who booked it. Um, David Rain. Oh, God, probably. God, yeah. he's still out there alive somehow. I, I found his like meetup group. What a weirdo, man. Yeah, he has a meetup group. Yeah. Where people meet to date or what is yeah. it? Uh, they, he has like a comedy meetup group because that's how he like packed out his little venue there. And you would use that bullshit. And but they go to meet, like, the show is a comedy show, but they're trying to bang. Maybe, but it literally sometimes, because I've had, uh, some people use meetup groups to get butts and seats. And I had one group of a guy who I actually really liked. But you do get a grab bag of some strange people. Some people are normal, but you get a couple people that are like, oh, you couldn't make friends normally. So you had oh. to go online to be like, please hang out with me. And you're like, yeah, dude, Jesus. a lot of people, especially with the internet, they they, don't, they lack social skills. Everything's oh, behind the screen. 100%. I think, uh, I do know this is like, for young people now, because like learning to court and flirt and like, it's very hard. Yeah. And when you don't do any of it in live, I think we'll have a bunch of kids who don't know how to like flirt and like be like, oh, I like you. And like, they're out of practice. With a, You got to get in the zone to be like, oh, I said, hey, hi, you're cute. And you got weird and then left. And you're like, you need to experience that. And if you just do it through digital, I think it really screws your, your ability. Yeah, we're going to have a weird society coming up. It's already weird, but the next generation when they're of age. Yeah. It's going to be awkward. Potentially. I'll give you one of my favorite moments. So uh, um, I think when I turned 28 or 29, I was here and I weirdly took LSD and went to the Biodome in uh, Montreal here. What a weird combination. It was, I passed by the Biodome today. It's huge. So the weirdest part initially, as I'm starting to peak, I go in and it's a hall of mirrors. And I was like, oh God, no, this is crazy. The worst right? time. The worst time. And it's like, oh, I'm going to die and time's infinite. And I don't know what's happening. And I get through there and my heart's racing and there's people everywhere and I'm overwhelmed and I finally get into like- You're all areas. those people. Yeah, exactly. That's what you feel like. You're like, oh, I'm everyone, it's, right? Oh, am, but also, it's a hall of mirrors. Oh. All these people, they all look like me. Oh God, it was it was so intense. And uh, I get through it, and I'm looking at the three toed sloth. It's really nice. And there's a couple things, and then I get into the fish aquarium, and you go under, and you like literally get to see all the fish and like their little uh, aquatic system. And this little um, Chinese kid comes by, and he's effectively Chinese Cartman, okay? And he's looking at everything, and he's kind of this pudgy little dude, and he's looking at everything through his iPad. And uh, I was like, this is so weird, right? And all of a sudden he looks and his mom's not there. And he's just like, ma'am, ma'am. And his mom comes by and like stand beside him. And then he goes back to looking at everything through the iPad. And I was like, this is fucked. I was like, what's going to happen to that kid? And then on the nicest note to contrast it, because there's all different parenting strategies. This little Quebecois boy came by and he was with his grandpa. And he's like, qu'est-ce que c'est ça? And his grandpa's like, oh, c'est important. And he's like, okay, qu'est-ce que c'est ça? And I was like, oh, this is going to be... Maybe the, the kid who is techno, he'll be amazing. But I'm also like, I think that kid's emotions are going to be fucked. I think that little Quebecois boy is going to be set. Yeah. And it's just interesting because there are going to be fucked up people, but I have 
Like I talk to kids, people about like, how do you parent? Like when you give them screen access, pretty much the go-to for good parents is they're like, if I'm traveling, unlimited screen access. Cause I'm like, shut the fuck up. We're in the car. Just look at the screen. I don't want to talk to you. But when they're in a healthy state, they're like, we control it to figure out, okay, you get an hour of screen time. Then you do other stuff. You and got to no, socialize. You have no to see sc- the world. No screen at the dinner table. Cause I think that's one of the most important ones. We don't give enough reverence to that. Sit down and tell me about your day. Right. Like, what did you get up to? Oh, you played with Billy. Oh, you played soccer. And we instead like eat and stare at a screen. And yeah. I think it's one of the most basic things is like when you're eating, that's social time. I don't have kids yet. Yeah. But when I do. Yeah. I've already decided that that's going to be a thing. Yeah. That dinner is going to be very, very important if no one's allowed, myself included. No one's yeah. allowed to have a phone. Yeah. Are you aware? Because you've been with your partner for quite a while now, right? Eh? Yeah. Yeah. It's well, like she's not my business partner. She's. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, sorry. But I like to. <laughs> on a funny note, apparently. Um. The gay community, but I, I don't fucking know anything, but they had said, uh, people had started using the term partner to make sure that if people didn't want to be outed as gay, because they would say like, oh, oh is my, that what it is? my husband, right? And you're like, oh, I know you fuck dudes then, right? Or yeah. my wife, you're like, oh, I know you fuck ladies. So people started using partners gender neutral to be like, hey, if you choose to decide to demonstrate whatever oh, I hate do, it. When I hear it, it bothers me. But I do it out of like uh, respect. So that's why I try to do it as like, uh, there are some people who use it where it's like, Ugh. but the I best is, you know, I'm straight and you're still like. I don't know. He may be banging dudes. I, I, I don't know. know. Whatever. But I just sort of like, and it's, I don't know. There is, it yeah. sucks because I think it's a term that could be good, but some people have abused it to a situation where it like gives you a goo. Okay, yeah. Every time I hear it, it sounds like, part, come on, partner's but, like your business partner. But your lady. But it, yeah. yeah. So you're. The, the wife. The wife. Uh, she's. But you guys uh, are married? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, cool. How long yeah. you guys been married? Two years now. Poseidon, how long did I get married? I Buddy, you no gotta know idea. your own shit. Don't uh, ask Poseidon uh, how long you've been married, bro. I don't know. If I get if it you don't know, like, I definitely the don't know. When I don't I'm gonna go, that's so, dude, that's not good. Uh, I hope your wife doesn't listen to the podcast. Oh, she does. She's, she's fine with it. She that's gets fine it. with it. Besides, I forget my own birthday every year. Okay, God, that's fucking, <laughs> oh, that poor woman. Uh, how, I, I, how long have you guys been together? Oh, a long time since like. Uh, so, so, and yeah. you got money now, so kids are potential. They're, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I, well, the thing is, how much, how set do you have to be to have kids? I don't know, but I'm not getting any younger. So, what are you want to have 39, 37? Go oh, fuck yourself. How old am I? Where are you? How old are you? He's 43. You're 43? I'm not 40. <laughs> I think you're 35, I think. You're 35? Oh, sorry, buddy. I thought you were a little bit older than me, so I'm How slightly older than you. I'm 36. What year? You're 87? 86. Then? You're 86. We're the same age then. Okay, yeah. yeah. So we're 35? 36. 36. I'm 36. You might, I don't know when your birthday is. September. Okay, I just so you're, turned, you're 36. I just turned 36 or 35? Yeah, 36. I just turned 36. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I see why you asked. Yeah, I don't pay attention to this shit. I just do, like, I, I live my life, like, every day. Yeah. And then I, I do things as best as I can, but yeah. I don't think about that shit. Yeah. Yeah, but, I don't pay attention either, bro. That's why we're in this mess. No, yeah. right, this is like, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so impressed you guys are doing so well. This is one of the best studios well, I've I pay it, But the thing, I pay attention to my career, to the people yeah. around me. I take care of my wife. I take care of my mom. I take yeah. care of him. I, but... The stuff that I find meaningless is like uh, my birthday and shit. It's like, yeah. who gives a fuck, bro? But on the meaningful shit, yeah. you guys are at the point where you theoretically could have kids. And it's hard because I've seen a lot of my friends, even in good positions, and especially when you're not in a good position, like, I just can't afford to have a kid. And for the first well, it time scares ever, me. It scares me because I want my kids or kid, uh, I want them to be okay. I don't want them to think about money, but I also don't want them to be spoiled. Like, I don't have money to have spoiled kids. Yeah. I don't have that kind of success. But yeah. I might by the time the kid comes out. But I don't want to spoil it. I want to know what. What really has value in life? Yeah. Be good fucking person. Understand. Yeah. Have empathy. I don't know how you teach that though. So it makes me nervous. Yeah. It's a big challenge. And that's like very hard time. And like, if you just go into like, it's fucking like, it was like 30 degrees last month. And so that's also terrifying to be like, am I going to be able to feed these fuckers even if I have the resources? So it's a little terrifying, but it kind of sucks that I'm like, for the first time ever, I'm like, really, I'm like, I'd like to have some kids, but I'm also like, I'd rather not have kids and have a good life than to like, have kids with somebody that it doesn't work with. Oh yeah. On a funny note though, I have a few friends who are divorced and I was like, that kind of seems sweet. Cause they're like halftime dad, halftime human. 
And yeah. I was like, oh, that's kind of, I would love to be like one week on, one week off. I could fucking swing shit with kids. stupid bitches bullshit all the time. Exactly. And you're like, you look after him, I look after him. So part of me is like, I wish I could find a really good partner and that we like find a good like separation where we're like still amicable, but we both do have to work. And then I can go on tour, she can go on tour and like shit like that. Maybe we could do it in like an actual couple, but it's funny that I've seen a few divorced couples. I'm like, this is the nicest dynamic I've seen. <laughs> that worries me too that like I have to travel a lot. Oh yeah. And it worries me, but the wife is is aware. Yeah. And she knows she's cool. She's she's like, I get it, but it's your fucking job. Um, but it does, because I don't want to be absentee. Well, that's the thing of my super talented comic friends. Like I just pride, for example, because he just loves his kids and he's probably the best writer in Canada. He's probably oh, the best. There's, there's, I wouldn't put probably in front of it, but go on. He's the best writer in Canada. Yeah. One of the best comics I work with, but he's just like, I like being a dad. Cause I've a couple times been like, Hey, if I can give you a bunch of money to go overseas, he's like, meh. He's like, I just do, I do comedy. I have fun. I have great kids. And I was like, yeah. man, that's so noble. And I think it does like change your brain is once you have this little human, you're like, I oh, I can do stuff. You're like, this is fun. Yeah. And I get to watch it develop. And like, we just like the connection we have. And well, like, I know with my dog, my dog is not a human <laughs> and I love being with the dog. I love yeah. taking care of the dog. Uh, yeah. How's the dog doing? Is the do- yeah. dog's emotions? Let me get yeah. some for the dog. So I could just, I can't even fathom what a human being would be like. Yeah. Yeah. All you right. got to do a bit cause you're uncle, uncle Pantelis. Right? Yeah. I'm uncle Pantelis. Yeah. I yeah, care about you have my a niece and a nephew. No. Well, I have a niece too, but she's in Greece. I have three nephews, but here yeah. I have two nephews. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got to like hang out and like yeah exactly with I'd them. be there and talk to them and be like hey listen stupid this yeah. is how life works do this yeah. do that and I've seen influence which is crazy yeah. like I have influence over my nephews dude the so uncle I've, role is so vital so so then I know like one of them I didn't like uh, the path he was going down yeah but I took one talk yeah fucking kid he's like oh now I get it yeah my mom's been telling this for years I don't listen to her yeah this guy told me now I get it and yeah. then he fucking shifted and everything's going well for the kid for a couple oh, of years nice. and uh, he's doing great we bring him on like uh, shows with us sometimes oh, he's the guy, he's the guy that, yeah, sometimes. yeah that's great and he's just an awesome kid and he's oh, a smart good. fucking kid too he knows all about technology he produces yeah. like one of the shows here and stuff oh sick yeah, yeah so it's just like God damn, it's a, you were worried about the generation, but he's one of the generation. He's and one with, of the generation. The, yeah. the you need good influence and good influences and mentors and like access to food. Like one of the things that's wild is whenever you get some kid who's like at school and he's like twitching out, which is already school's kind of fucked. Cause like, school's fucking, though, I don't dude, like the way it works. It's well, it, my understanding is it's a byproduct of industrial England where you needed obedient factory workers. So when a bell rings, you go in and when a bell rings, you leave. And they're like, we don't need you to be smart enough to think. We need you to be smart enough to run machines. To follow orders. So that's what they do. And like, especially I know boys, girls tend to apparently do a bit better where they can take information by like verbal reading and like ingesting this way. But boys are like, I need to smash your hands on. So when you get a boy and you're like, hey, you you, do, you don't have a proper diet. So this kid runs in. He's literally like running on a, a monster energy drink and a Mars bar. And you're like, here, learn. You're like, this kid's fuck there's nothing yeah. you can do for him because like and there's the system isn't built like you said i had this conversation yesterday it's funny that you bring it up um it's not built to educate no it's built it sounds crazy but it's true to indoctrinate it's, it's programming a, that's that's all it is it's programming yeah. and i didn't know when i was in school yeah i did ask questions like when am i going to use this this is stupid yeah. why don't you teach me how to do my taxes how yeah. to make money how to do yeah. but the reason why they wouldn't teach you is not yeah. teachers are not nefarious teachers are the best fucking people they're no, trying they're amazing, their best but they're in a but system that's not designed for a it. curriculum for a yeah. system and they're like i have 35 kids i don't have time to i don't help have time you. to think yeah wait is this gonna help them later yeah no no so the ones that do end up helping are the ones that um by default but but just actually sorry randomly by luck they capture your your interest. For example, yeah. me was one of my English teachers. Yeah. Uh, my love of literature comes from yeah. her. I wasn't reading before. I didn't yeah. know. And then and I didn't know I could write. She's the one yeah. who figured out that I'm able to write. Yeah. She's like, you know, you're a writer. You can yeah. write. Oh, wow. She's the one who taught me that by accident. She's, I wrote a, an essay 
And I was the shit kid in class. I was a troublemaker yeah. and I was new. Yeah. And uh, she's like, uh, hey, can you show me your rough copy for this? Because it's really good. I don't have yeah. a rough. That's I wrote and gave it to you. She's like, this yeah. is your this is this your, your rough your copy. one draft. Yeah. yeah this is your final like, draft. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what a rough copy. I don't know what a rough copy was. Yeah. And she laughed. She's like, okay. So uh, the newspaper, I think it was the Gazette time. It was a competition. Yeah. I want to give yours in. Yeah. And I was like, what? She's like, you can write. You don't know you can write, pal? I was like, I don't know. I can fucking write. She's like, you can write. You like this is written. Like, well, goddamn, I, I don't know how the fuck you didn't know you could write. Yeah. And then that motivated the fuck out of me. Yeah. And then I started reading, writing, you know, Isaac Asimov. Everything I liked was because of this woman. Yeah. This woman uh, opened my eyes to literature and the arts. Yeah. Dude, that was by accident. But she, because those kind of teachers make a difference. Yeah. But the rest, like, let's say math, and all, they'll teach you the shit in math that. Bro, I don't use, and I liked it too. I don't yeah. use ninety nine percent of what the fuck they taught me. They no. could have spent some of that time teaching me how taxes work, yeah. uh, how to actually save money, how to yeah. do things to make you build your own wealth. They don't understand yeah. that shit. It's not their fault. Yeah. It's because this is the curriculum. And then you have a lot of these mouth breathers that yeah. are out there, and they just follow the fucking system, yeah. and they put their head down, and then that's why we can't get anywhere. That's why society doesn't work. They just keep voting. I like that color. I like blue. I like red. Yeah. He has nice hair. No one's <laughs> fu- no critical thinking. Well, we. Um you flagged one thing there is that that English teacher. It's so crazy that kids only require like three to five key people at their in their developmental stages to change their life. Yeah. But if they don't have that coach, that teacher, that inspiration, that classmate, that usually it's ideally somebody further down the journey. Than I you. know the three people. Yeah. So who are my they? My mother. Yeah. That teacher. Yeah. And my buddy Harry, who ended up being my best man at my wedding. Oh, wonderful. he's older than me. Uh, he was like my father figure growing yeah. up. Yeah. And he taught me what it's like to be able, like I, I learned from him. Like oh yeah. Being a man, you could have empathy. You got to stand yeah. up for the right thing. You don't always, you know, all that. My mom, who was like the, uh, she's the smart one, and yeah. she's you know do this, follow your all that, and and my teacher who taught me that who said you're smart, you're, and you've yeah, got, you're, you're, you're cool, and you've got a creative thing that you can express. Yeah, and I was like, what the f-? and Dude, so, and so she's crazy. the strictest teacher. Yeah, yeah. So to have her and she respects literature more yeah. than anyone. Yeah. To have her say that to me. Yeah. Changed everything for me, and then yeah. when I got into it, I realized like, oh, she's fucking right. I love reading. Yeah. I love writing. I yeah. loved it all, but had that. It never happened. Yeah, I would have. Oh fuck school! I would have well, never. It's yeah. so crazy how many kids. But I think going back a little on your point, where you said there's a bunch of mouth breeders, those guys just didn't get the and girls didn't get the lucky break, right? Mm-hmm. Like you need a couple of those key people, and we need a bit of a systematic, which is like you hit my hippie dippy bullshit when I'm biking. Yeah. Right? So I talk about this a little. So I have a sociology degree that you kind of look at the people as a whole, and I got incredibly depressed after my degree, especially because I was like, the food system's fucked, and if that goes, we all die. And I'm like, the water system's fucked and we're as a species is fucked. And I was like sad and I was like, cause you look at it as a, as a grand scale problem. You're like, oh, there's nothing I can do. And so for me personally, I found bikes, which is like such a healthy way to get around for me. And like, I biked here in the winter and I layered up. It was a nice ride and I get to clear my brain. And generally as a comic, it's so awesome that you're in the woods and you're biking to your gig and you get to think, you're like, okay, what do I, how would I do this? So it's like, gives me a lot of like meditative time to reflect on my content. Also in terms of a city, it's just such a practical way to get around. Like cars are a burden. We don't Stop see Stop everywhere. There's no parking. There's yeah. no, well, there, uh, there's a stat. I don't know if it's true, but it's something like apparently uh, downtown New York, 40% of the cars in transit are looking for parking. Because the system doesn't... I believe it. Yeah, because it's, it's such a flawed system to have this giant box that needs so much space and only gets used for like 10% of its life and otherwise sits in paces. So I was like, shit, this thing's a little leverage point I have that I can get more people biking. So I jokingly, I have a, I talk about it sometimes as I like, I, it was good for my mental health and good for me to get around. And like, I biked across Canada. That's how I like got here. And I like, uh, I was supposed to, I was supposed to get to a friend's in Halifax. You biked from Vancouver to Montreal? Yeah, yeah. That's my, that's Fucking how I got hippie. here. And uh, Did you document that? Uh, yeah, I have a blog that's really nice, um, but I wasn't, this is one thing I'm really struggling with. And I think other artists do as well. I'm living a pretty interesting life. You are. And it's hard that I want to live that life and I don't want to keep trying to document and commodifying it. 
But if I don't, you I don't, should. People need to know. I know, but it's it's hard because it's profound. Like if I bike up a mountain, and I like I'm looking over this vast fucking I'm like wildflowers blooming in this valley, and like all of a sudden the sun's setting. Oh. It's so special and it's surreal. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna die, and everyone I love is gonna die, and it's like profound wonderment. But it feels so disingenuine to go or to be like, hey, Dion, here the cyclopath. I, I know, I know what you're talking about. So I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, but at least to document it because I have the same problem you have. There's a lot of moments that people tell me, did you There's, get a video of that? Dude, and I'm like, you no. Told, but you told me about your and I'm I'm trying to find other people to do a bit of it. But you told me about that moment, and I literally like you're just such the the belt moment. Yeah. That you, you don't really have a document of it. Ideally at the very end, they got a little film or a little shot that you're like, oh, I can remember it. But it feels so weird to have that wonderful moment that you're like, all of this stuff built up to this. And I get to give my mentor, one of my fucking, my, my bro, I get to give him this belt in front of a fucking 21,000 people chanting his name and they fuck, people are crying. And it feels so weird to try to take that emotion and that energy and be like, here's what I am and give me money. Yeah. It's fucking strange, but also... If you like right now, the fact that I didn't get to document it properly, yeah, it just lives on in my head. Yeah, it would be nice to have some kind of proof of it, you know, for for my situation. For yours, it's also good just to show people, like you said, you, there's gonna be people that you're gonna motivate to use bikes. Yeah, it's not gonna be me. But I, I'll I'll try to get you. But I know that I can get you if I say, hey, I, buddy, I like I, riding bikes. No, I, I know riding, yeah. I know I can get you if I say, hey, I have a sold out stadium tour in Greece. Mm -hmm. Me and you are biking. We have a film crew. We're gonna film it. And we're going to hang out and we're going to interview people and we're going to do a bunch of dumb sketches. And it's literally going to be like Anthony Bourdain, but me and you, and I'll be your sort of tour guide. You know, kinda, you know how hilly Greece is? But you, you have, you play ball hockey, but you play ball hockey, you know, yeah. when you have a good workout, yeah, dude, there's, the there's nothing like defeating a mountain and like me and you eating fucking feta cheese at the top <laughs> of a fucking beautiful Greek thing looking like, oh my God. And then like, dude, if we bike in and do an old Greek like amphitheater, uh, so this is the kind of shit, and when you bike, you get to feel, taste, you get the whole experience, because when you take a plane, it's nothing, it's so weird, or trains are still, they zoom by, and then the car is this weird box where you experience kind of nothing, and I love driving, arrive. though. It's cool, but, like, like if you get to ride, and it's fun, you get to, it, you experience the city, the country, and you get a little bit of everything. Bikes are fun for me. I love mm -hmm. riding bikes. It's just, I don't like the idea of using a bike. Me, I'm not saying it's wrong. I, yeah. I think it's right what you're doing. I think yeah. it's better that way. I just can't, like, the long, like, something that should use a train or a car, yeah. using a bike instead. You know what I think bothers me? It, it's the same thing that bothers me in planes. I feel stuck. So yeah. there's a that point of no return when you get in the plane. I'm yeah. not getting out of here, depending yeah. on how long the flight is. If it's eight hours, I'm here for eight hours. Yeah. So the bike, I feel the same point of no return. I get far enough where yeah. now it's discomfort. I can't, whereas but, in a car, it's so simple. But Europe is the best for this. And I have this cool travel bike that if you guys follow, uh, uh, type in Dion Owen or Cyclopath. Well, the links are in me. the description. They'll anyway. fire them in yeah. there. So I have a travel bike that literally breaks in half and it's a full-size bike. And at any moment I can get on a train. Or get into a, a bus if I need. That's kind of cool. So, like, the other nice thing is Europe literally has spots for bikes. We're here, like, all of the pandemic, I couldn't really transport a bike from Montreal to Toronto until I got this cool travel bike that goes in a normal-sized luggage. And so, when you're doing some of these tours, if you literally are like, dude, I'm too fucked up, I'm like, okay, there's a train station 10 kilometers, we got to get there, and then we'll take it. So, it's a nice combo with Europe where literally you can just get on a train. Like you bike. They do have like, a lot of trains in your The train system is yeah. so much better. Yeah. They used it uh, to kill Jews in uh, the Second World War. <laughs> that's why. Weirdly, so that's weirdly, the Germans still run the, um, apparently, the Nazi people still run the trains in the Netherlands. And they still have some of the same uniforms. And there's I, still a backlog of the Germans who took over. But some of my Dutch friends were like, it sucks. I was losing shit but right now. My, my Dutch friends like, it sucks. But that's also the problem the with trains. unions, Poseidon. That's the fucking problem with unions. But they're also You can't like, fire these people. The, the trains run on time. So we're kind of resentful 
people that they're still murder. Nazis, but they're they're super on time. <laughs> yeah, they were on time in the Second World War too. That was the problem. Yeah, <laughs> they were they were punctual. They Going back so. very quickly to my bullshit about bikes. So yeah. talking about getting depressed because like you have the same thing. When you look at societal problems, you're like, fuck, oh, right, bro, why did I give up? So I was like, I can get bikes. So I jokingly say this: I treat, uh, um, I treat. Uh, I try to be a drug dealer because I want kids hooked early. So I try to get as many kids I can on cool bikes. Because if you get a bike that's fast, comfortable, fits you, I usually have you for life. Because like when kids ride a heavy piece of shit, they're like, yuck, this isn't any fun. It doesn't fit me. My knees hurt. But when they're like, this feels like gliding, like I'm flying, then I usually can like have, it's, I'm like trying to be a bike cult. But like when you get on it and it fits you, I try to get people early or impoverished people. I volunteer at co-ops all over. I built probably 13, 14 free bikes when I was in Europe where I just like found shit, built it, was like, here, this is all yours. And like- You built a bike from like- So like I volunteer at co-ops or literally I'll find them being thrown out and I'll bring them in and like throw on the, a couple pieces and be like, oh, it's here. Yeah, because now you've learned euros. so much, you know how to fix these I focus. could fix, and that's the other nice thing. And sorry, this is my propaganda piece, but um, I used to like work as an automotive mechanic and um, it's one of the few technologies bikes. Cause like same with this, your computer tech is like, it's not, it's all proprietary and it can't, it's not uh, standardized. So nothing can be really interchanged. Yeah. And so if you had like a 2005 Civic, 2007 Civic, maybe you can't change anything. Yeah. But bikes have had a weird standardization since about the 60s, all the way up to about 20, 2005, 2010, where you could change everything from like 1960s Peugeot to like a, a 2005 Colnago that almost all the components are interchangeable. That's pretty cool. And it's so nice because I encourage kids. I'm like, if you master this trade, you can work on 40 million, we're like 6 billion bikes. That's unheard of. There's no technology that that is that like that connected. Poseidon, you ever thought about that? Absolutely never. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the end of my he, bike. He doesn't rant. like exercise and he loves cars. I know. Yes, it, so the same passion you have about cars, uh, about, oh, about bicycles. You got about cars? He has I have about, about cocks. Ca cars. <laughs> cars and the same way you feel on a bicycle ride, I feel the same way on a, like a long drive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so well, I, as I said, I used to do like I had a sweet 86 Arc 7 with a cool little rotary engine. And then my dad rebuilt the super cool 1967 uh, Datsun Fair Lady. So I'm like, I've bombed around in beautiful little sports cars around like beautiful winding roads. And the car is lovely outside the city. Yeah. Inside yeah. the city, it like doesn't work. Like the speed at which I shouldn't be faster than you on a bike, but anything within yeah. 10K, I'll beat you here. But that's why I, I'm, I don't notice as much anymore. I'm very because he hasn't seen the way I drive. No, no, no. Even that, I'm lucky because uh, the way my schedule is. Let's yeah. say, I mostly drive when other people aren't. Yeah, so when the traffic's down. Yeah, two a.m. Some bullshit. In your two a.m. Yeah. Or if I gotta go to a gig at seven, traffic dies down around six thirty-seven. Yeah, so I don't have to deal with it most of the time. Same yeah. thing with mornings. My mornings is I have to come to the studio. Yeah, which for me, I take the backup. I'll be here in ten minutes. Yeah, so it's it's easy. How if I had a nine to five, oh, and I dude. remember having my car at nine to five, I was like, I, I, I have to take the metro. The parking will cost me two hundred fifty dollars a month. Yeah, I, I'm gonna get to work late every day. Yeah, it's nonsense, dude. I have some cousins, and they had to move outside of Toronto because it's unaffordable. We're all being pushed out. Yeah, of Yeah, I heard cities. Toronto is completely fucked up. Like Toronto uh, and Vancouver, people who are work downtown Toronto don't make enough money to live in Toronto. That's crazy. So my cousins moved in the morning. They do an hour and a half commute into the city and a forty five at night. And this they is do that with public transit? No, no, with a car. Oof. But five days a week, they spend an hour and a half in the morning in the car and then 45 home every fucking day. Two hours and like two hours and a quarter every day spent in the car. And that's where I'm like, again, I like, kill myself. well, like Europe, the trains are so great, bro. Like, cause you're like, everyone takes the trains and they're, they get there on time. They're nothing's in the way. They don't have to stop Zzz, done. Right. 
And like, we got to get better in Canada. Like I remember somebody, cause one of the funniest ones is like, if you look, there's a perfect line that goes from like Quebec city all the way, like past Boston. And we don't have like a high speed rail that just rocks that, that could like get us to all so much shit. So it's like, we're fucked. We're so fucked. Is there a reason? I remember hearing something about the lobbies of why we don't have high speed trains here. Like they do in yeah. Japan. And it's cause of the lobbying that was done with the current people that are running the, cause there's money in it. Yeah. But it's in everyone's benefit if we had high speed because we it's have not, the technology. It's not, it's not in the benefit. Who makes money if there's a shitload of cars? It's, weirdly, there's a. It seems like similar where our mob runs our constructions. Because I mean, oil right companies now, that run the road system, like they literally bought up the trolleys, got rid of the train tracks because they're like, as many cars as we sell, we have more road infrastructure, more parking, more fucking pavement, and so there's a connection with the oil industry and pretty much all that's the subsidiaries. Right? Yeah. Because imagine a super train. Yeah. They said that the super trains that they were looking at, yeah, you can get to what was it, Montreal, Toronto? How much was the time? Probably like forty-five minutes. An yeah, hour. it wasn't even yeah. an hour or an yeah. hour and a half max. Yeah. But you know what uh, that would super mean? Super trains. Hold on. Yeah, it might have been you not even an hour. That means that you could live in Montreal. Yeah, and, and work, work in, in Toronto. Toronto, dude. What are we doing? I don't like that uh, lobbies can stop us from doing shit like that. But the exciting thing is, I have a bit of rant about this. The people, we the people have the power if we get our shit together. But we already talked. Like we couldn't. I couldn't even rally ten comics to stand up to get paid. Yeah. So it's sort of like, it breaks my heart to realize that we're kind of like boneless, backboneless pussies, and like we're like literally like, hey, we want this infrastructure. Like we're just, why don't we have this? And instead, we're I, just like, oh, I guess. Holy yeah. shit! I remember it, hearing about it. The hype. Forty minutes. Forty minutes. Forty minutes. Yeah. And now it takes uh, it's seven it? hours. It takes all day, bro. It's seven uh, hours. A bit more than five hours. It's yeah. Because I take it, and it's that's fucking your day slow. is gone. Yeah. God. It's damn. still nicer than driving because you just go, you sit on it, you eat, you play on your yeah, laptop. Yeah. So it's it's still like, like it feels classy, but we could build better infrastructure. Dude, of course it exists. That, that's what that's what I hate is that it's not like a it's not like a pie this, in the sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it exists. The technology yeah. exists. Yeah. Other countries have it. Yeah. And it would be so cool. I would love to know people that do that. I would love to have friends or even myself, something I have a gig in Toronto. Dude, I'd be in Toronto all the time. Dude, you could go, literally we could go do open mics. Yeah. It's a, you I would, would just fuck around. And be like, you, Why are you? you would also meet so many hookers on your way there. <laughs> Why would I meet them? <laughs> well, because you're hanging out with Poseidon. No, because, oh, yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. No, because it's a thing too. A lot of them from here go there. But hookers, <laughs> you, you, hookers know us. Uh, hookers are... Uh, Big fans of Two Drink Minimum. We have a lot of uh, uh, Two Drink Minimum. has a lot of sex worker fans. Oh, big man. fans. Yeah, some that I brought on the show. They're cool. Yeah. Um, it, and I have a joke that I'm writing about on stage now. Yeah. Because it's so random to hear that. Yeah. And I, at first thought it was one and then two and then yeah. they'll send me messages. Yeah. And it's always funny to think about how other people tell me I listen to you at work. Yeah, and then oh. like, and then it's like, but what are the hook? Like, what do the hookers do? Like, like I know how to turn you on. You're gonna hear this guy say retard. Like, yeah. how does it? How does that even come into play? And then it's just so there's something weird about that, but yeah. so cool yeah. that they and when dude we shit on everyone and yeah. and we make fun of every hookers, but yeah. the fact that they get the jokes, yeah, and what, like Sonia von Sacher is the best. She's like a high end escort here, yeah, and she's like, yeah, yeah, like hookers. Love it when you make fun, like the shit that you say. That oh like, yeah, yeah, because they get it. They're they're bro. They're having sex for like they they could take a joke. Yeah, no, they like they, we can, They're like we're we're dealing with more shit than your yeah. yeah she was telling fucking me. punchline. Yeah, she doesn't like. Dude, a, she, I don't like people thinking that we're soft. And we can't. She, we can fucking take it as but, well as we could dish it out. Yeah, that was one of my favorite lines from Segay because he's talking about he's doing a show and there's like four people in the front row in fucking wheelchairs. And other comics go up and they go, and they like avoid them. Ah, fuck with them. And then Sagan goes up. He's like, fucking do a wheelie, you piece of shit. When yeah. I get a good joke. Yeah, yeah. And, and they laugh. after the show, they said, thank you for including us. It yeah. feels so weird to have people look at me and then look away. Of course. And they're like, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Like, no, no. Well, you just did. You did by excluding me. You just said they're different than everyone yeah, else. That I can't be made fun of. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't like the, 
I don't like the special class that people are trying to build. Uh, like, oh, you can't make fun of this person. You can't make fun of that. I make fun of everyone. But there's comics that are like, I won't make fun of gay people. I won't make fun of trans. I won't make fun of the ethnicity of the person. Bro, fuck you. Make fun of everything. Make fun yeah. of Greeks. Dude, while I'm on, while, when I get off stage, yeah. make fun of Greeks right after or before. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. If it's funny, yeah. it's funny. That's all that matters. The yeah. second you go, oh, I can't make fun of Greeks. They yeah. can't, or I can't make fun of gays. Like, that means that you think there's something wrong with that person or these yeah. people yeah. and they can't take it, which is not true. Most people can take a joke. Yeah. Mo- the vast majority and like, as you talked about, people with real problems are like, dude, I fucking immigrated from India. I don't mind if you're like, hey, your food's spicy or whatever dumb shit. Give a fuck. They're like, dude, I fucking was in a refugee camp. Like, fuck yeah. you. Like, so that's where it does seem to be people who have it soft are trying to be like, and it sucks because it comes from a good place. They're like, I want to protect them. And like, dude, they don't need it. They don't need it. And you're making it weird for yeah. everyone else because then they think like, should I be protect? Am I? Yeah. You can't. You can't talk about trans. You can't talk about. Yes, you can. You can talk as long as it's funny. Yeah, you can do you can it. Talk about whatever the and fuck you want. That's my favorite thing. For people offended, I'm like, don't laugh. That hurts me more than anything. Yeah, if you exactly. just stare blankly, I'll like vomit a little. It's like you. You know when you're bombing. There's like you're shaking and like the only thing that sucks though is a lot of early comics because it looks cool to be like, oh, I'm gonna do a rape joke. You're like, dude, those are hard. Those are hard. Yeah, I've heard some take, very good rape jokes. They take a long time to get yeah. where you're like comfortable talking about a very edgy topic and these guys are like i'm open micer time to do sexual assault okay like, so open micers do this all the time but yeah. that's an open i've said this to people too it's just an open yeah. micer thing yeah don't like uh i've heard on open mics i've heard the uh, white guys drop the n-bomb oh. without a punchline yeah like just edgy right yeah because they're thinking i have to be edgy yeah but you don't you no. can talk about anything even edgy topics as yeah. long as it's funny yeah you have to go funny first and yeah. if, if it's edgy it's edgy yeah. but don't try to make it edgy it'll become if it's good and it's nuanced and it's yeah. about something crazy it'll yeah. be edgy whether you like it or not yeah but just go for the funny yeah. like I, I only look at what makes me laugh what makes them laugh yeah and then there's a lot of shit i'll touch you you've seen me no no yeah i'll yeah. touch on a variety of things yeah but because the end goal is let me make it funny and yeah. all the best comics do that and they could talk about anything yeah a lot of younger people they think it's just edge so they go for it but they learn you learn as you, you learn go. it quick when you you're eat like, enough shit you're like yeah. oh i can't keep going into but this i've heard some talk. great rape jokes yeah no and, but they're like well, that's Patrice O'Neill's stuff, right? Like, he's the guy who, like, is out there. Dude, here, yeah. we had a girl who's an open mic. She's not even uh, stand-up all the time. She yeah. was doing radio. She had a very good rape joke. Yeah. And then I, I, someone was like, she shouldn't tell a rape joke. And it was about her rape. Yeah. Well, there was one, our friend Sarah, who had, like, a great one. Sarah. People, a good people one, censored it. And I was like, that's her story. That's her story. Yeah. But there was that, it was Robin uh, Flynn, I think her name was. Oh, yeah, She yeah. had a great rape joke oh, about yeah, her. Yeah. She was she was, yeah, raped, she was assaulted, and yeah. she's like, I'm going to make a joke out of this. Yeah. And I remember, oh, they shouldn't. I go, that's, that's her, her story. That's yeah. her story. Yeah. And she made a, f- I don't, I'm not going to ruin it just in case she yeah. says it. Like, I don't want to ruin the punchline. Yeah. But it was, I laughed. I was like, fuck, that's a funny joke. Yeah. And she took a situation that should have been super fucked painful. up for her. Yeah. And she's and like, she hey, made a great fucking yeah. joke out of it. Yeah. And I was like, you can't tell her not to tell that joke. And yeah. it's a good joke. Yeah. There is, it's always tough ones. Like, I have a few people who I know their stories and I know their pain. And there's a few places I avoid because I'm like, I know if they literally hear words, they're like, Ugh. so like, if I have something I think is useful and profound, I'll go into it. Yeah. But um, it's such a it's, it's a hard balance. And uh, quickly on the note of like early comics, it's always sort of similar to like painters. You're like, because it's always weird when people try to be like an alt comic or an edge lord, and you're like master painting a house. Like no one starts off with cubism, yeah. right? They get good at like, hey, I did it. Look, that's a perfect person. It's a perfect house. Now I'm gonna do some weird shit. But it's always strange when you have comics being like, I'm doing experimental comedy. It's like master the basics of being up there. Yeah, if it's experimental, it's not funny. It's not comedy. Don't no. call it comedy. Just Jesus say I'm Christ. I'm. I'm being, I don't know, alt entertainer. Don't say yeah. comic because it's not yeah. funny. Same thing with me. I don't want people to say, 
oh, this guy's edgy. This oh, guy, I don't yeah, want no, that. No. I want to see this guy's funny. Yeah. So right now I get booked. They're like, oh, you're gonna laugh. This guy's crazy. Yeah. Oh, this guy says some funny shit. I'm like, oh, nice. That's good. That's yeah. what I want to hear. Yeah. I don't want somebody being like, you're here because you don't mind talking about oh, the blacks. Oh, like, yeah. oh fuck, I'm getting the wrong <laughs> fan base. I'm getting the wrong fan base. I don't want that. What I, I want them to just be. Cause I'm funny, so then yeah. if I touch on other topics, it's like, oh, of course he can. He's just fucking around. He's being funny. Yeah, I don't want to be known as he just wants to hurt feelings. It's like yeah. that's not my job, dude. One of my weirdest moments on that note of like when you're like, I want it to be funny and not just to be like sort of dog whistling some fucking yeah, weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> is uh, I remember being at uh, who the fuck that guy did those weird shows that big that guy Tony who used to run those fucking oh weird, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, we were out doing one of these shows and one of my buddies black comic he goes up and he comes off and he got a bunch of laughs. So I was very new. So I was like, oh man, good set. He's like, dude, I feel nauseous. I was like, what? He's like, they laughed at the racism, not at the jokes. Oh, what? he was like aware of it that he's like they're just laughing at like I'm a monkey dancing kind of thing. And he's like, I felt disgusted by like when they laughed because they weren't laughing at like the good the punchlines. They were laughing at like sort of the the premise that this black guy's doing shit. And I was Holy like, Holy fuck, that's funny, but bro! It was so weird to be an early comic. That's and then, so funny to recognize to it on he stage. Recognized it, but I was too dumb to realize. I'm like, oh, they're racist, laughing at being racist, not at being. So like, essentially, let's say the punchline was like, uh, I don't know, I was a. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, growing up, uh, I'm a black guy. I didn't have a father, and, yeah. and he's setting up, the, and they're, they're laughing hysterically. Yeah. And then he does a punchline. They're like, uh, "Yeah, next." Yes. Oh, bro, yeah. I would have, I would have, I would have. Oh, like, what the fuck's shit. happening? Yeah. So, but I didn't. I was too dumb to realize because, like, you know, early on, you're just so desperate to get a laugh that you're like, "I'll fucking dance, whatever." You yeah. Need. So that was kind of profound to realize, like, as you said, you don't want guys who are in there, man, like fucking Pintel's talks about anything. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He makes me think sometimes, and I always laugh. You're yeah. Like, there we go. That's what I want. That's it. That's yeah. what I want. And that's yeah. what I've been getting, yeah. which is, that's where the podcast helps. Yeah. Because like, like we discussed at the beginning, people know who you are. Yeah. So they'll buy tickets without a surprise. They'll be like, oh, it's Pantels. He's in my city. Yeah. Let me go see him. So I already have a head start. Yeah. I don't have to spend as much time explaining what I'm doing, who I am. I just yeah. could go into my shit and they get it. Yeah. It helps so much. Oh, for sure. Because a lot of the stand-up, Sometimes you have to jump into it if no one knows you and you're new and you're trying. Well, especially you if you're time. given seven minute spots, right? Because you, you know if you're if you're doing anything that's going anywhere, you're like, I have to dumb it down for that seven. Because yeah. they're not they don't know who I am. They're gonna be a little off if I go to anything a little uncomfortable. But if like I know this guy, he's doing an hour, it's the best. Because yeah. you can really like take your moments, get your pauses, get a couple big pops, go into a weird thing, release the tension. And just fuck it. Like, I'm also lucky now with the Tuesday nights because uh, I, I don't like hosting. I'm not yeah. a good host. Yeah. But it was the only way this would work. And yeah. I want the show to exist. Yeah. But I'm learning a lot about myself, talking to people, hosting, sp and, and trying new things. Every, every week, I talk about like current things that are happening, whether it yeah. was the FIFA thing at soccer, Kanye West and his yeah. issues with the Jews. Like, <laughs> every week, I get to talk about something topical. Have you yeah. Bro, I saw uh, uh, Gabe just sent me something today. Yeah, he sent it to you as well? On InfoWars. Oh, my God. Well, I almost started... So it's um it's a meme that one of our uh, uh, uh one of our buddies who watches the show and he does a lot of edits. Yeah. He didn't do the edit, yeah. but they made a... You know the face? You know the black guy, the meme where he's like, ah, nice, and then he's oh, like yeah. shocked? Yeah. So, okay. So the, it's that. It's four parts. Yeah. So the first part is, is the clip of uh, Kanye West. Yeah. And he goes, everyone, he goes, this is Kanye West's manager right now. Yeah. And Kanye West is wearing a mask. He's on InfoWars. Yeah. And he's like, everyone out there, every human being has some value. Yeah. He has something that he, people need to understand that everybody has some value. And then it shows the face of the guy's like, huh? Yeah. Like that, the black guy, because it's his manager. Yeah. And then the next clip is a continuation of it. Yeah. And he's like, especially Hitler. Whoa. And, then, and then it shows the guy's face like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah you want to show it yeah, yeah, yeah so it. people yeah. all right okay, so this is the this is first Kanye. clip i'm just gonna increase the volume to the max just in increase the volume i have it here okay. too it's a hundred percent all right let's go every human being has something of value that they brought to the table 
every human. Okay, okay so, so it shows that every yeah. human being has something of value to bring to the table. He's, and he's has, right. He's right. He's right, not lower wrong. It and it shows the, the and picture. Then, and then it shows this. Like, yeah. ah, his hey. manager. Like, yeah, that's good. His manager. Yeah. And then, and then this is the. Especially Hitler. <laughs> Especially Hitler. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and then the next, the, the next image is like, what the fuck? Him just like, why are you making it bigger? What are we doing? We heard it the first time. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> dude. That was his mad at that point. He's like, God damn it, this started so well. Yeah, no, man. It's fucking tough. But it's also like, if I had mental health issues, the last thing I'd want to be is in the limelight. Can't tell you something? Right? They don't talk about that. He, the, uh, that's what I was telling you before. The pills, yeah. they don't talk about it. He's yeah. acting the same way Guido acting when he was on lithium. Yeah. So I know that that's a fucking problem, yeah. but they're not addressing it. First of all, they can't talk about the pharmaceutical lobbies because yeah. these guys oh, fucking dude, they, we dominate. Are so like... The, the pharmaceutical industry is fucked. Yeah. He could say anything. He could say, fuck Christians or whatever. Yeah. You you shouldn't get offended or fuck Greeks. I wouldn't get offended because yeah. I know that he's not well. Yeah. L let's look at what changed him in the last couple of years. Yeah. And I know it's those fucking pills, yeah. but they don't want to talk about that mm -hmm. shit. Yeah. So I'm not saying he's the best guy in the world. No, no, but it's just... Yeah, we the medical system, like, like when you look at like Britney and everybody who's like Britney Spears get, is never the same again. You see her now. Well, well, the, when we when you when you get like this the like and um, Patrice has a wonderful bit about the beast and when you get in the belly of the beast and it fucking eats you and it just fucks you and then when you're when we put you on a like my other weird thing is like the meds like I've been on antidepressants for brief periods when I like you stop producing serotonin if you get sad enough. So if you throw somebody on some meds, it's very useful, but it's a crutch. And if somebody has a crutch, you're not like, keep this for life, yeah. right? Because a lot of the pharmaceuticals are like, hey, this keeps you walking because you hobble on this crutch. But like, I want to run again. And like, no, no, you'll just be numb to the world. Yeah, and just like, walk. And you're like, well, hobble. You hobble because when you're on those, they numb you. They don't give you the highs and the lows. And they're very useful in certain situations. So I'm not against them, but we overprescribe them. And uh, we'll leave on this if we'll give a little propaganda, yeah. if that's cool. Because have you ever seen that experiment where um, they get a rat and they give it regular water and cocaine water? And then the rat will drink cocaine water till it dies. Right, and they're like, "Oh, cocaine's highly addictive." Which cocaine, wonderful feeling, just pops your dopamine. But another guy, and was, it is highly addictive. Highly addictive. But this is the thing. Another guy said, "Yeah, but that rat had nothing to do." So we often do drugs as recreation because we want to escape because we're like, "Fuck, this is boring." So you're like a rat by itself in a cage. Obviously, you can do cocaine water. It's nothing to do. So he built a rat utopia where his like partners for him to fuck and like or whatever yeah, stuff to do, stuff to do, activities, foraging, all sorts of stuff. He sampled the regular water. He sampled the cocaine water. Did the regular water. Because a lot of our substance abuse and our struggles are representative that we don't... Because when you feel good, when, you're, when your wife loves you, when fucking Poseidon laughs at your shit, you don't need drugs because you feel good, you feel fulfilled, you're part of the community, you do yeah. shit. But when you got nothing and you're sad, you have no hope, you don't eat well, you don't exercise, that's like, just make just numb me. So often drug abuse is a more representative of how society's treating an individual than it is the individual. Does that make sense? It does. It's very interesting that you bring that up. Um I've had a theory for a while that a certain level of success, like notoriety, like let's say his known globally, yeah, human beings we weren't meant, dude, to do that. So you not being able, like I, I, I went earlier to that card shop, yeah, like no one knows the fuck I am. I went in there, I had fun at card shop. I could do that, yeah. Kanye West could go anywhere, yeah. It's gonna be fucking chaos. He can't be a regular human. He being. can't be a regular human. That has to fuck with your head. It ruins your brain, man. Like, um, apparently Michael Jackson would rent out grocery stores and hire actors to be like, don't treat him. I heard about that. Don't yeah. treat him because you want that normal experience. And everyone who gets, because we all have the cult of celebrity and we want it to be acknowledged and all this shit. Everyone gets, it's like, dude, it fucks your life. And like their favorite thing, all those basketball players are like, I love to go to like Korea. No one gives a fuck. Yeah. And I just wander around and, and no one harasses me. And I have another thing about this because our species, um, our technology and our culture is so far ahead of our biology. So back in the day, we had like a tribe of 100, 10,000 years ago, and then we started farming and then we were able to have the monkey hives, right? So you're emotionally tuned. It's similar where like if 200 people die in Italy, you're like, meh, 
But if like your cousin dies, it just rocks you because you're emotionally, it's called your monkey sphere and you're only hardwired to relate to like a hundred people. And when people outside that, you literally don't have feelings. It's kind of like, it's, it's sort of a, a distance thing. You're like, Is oh, that I why we harass sad. people online? A little bit because they're not real and it's, it does divide it. But this goes into the fact that our, our, our biology takes so much longer to change. It takes like fucking multiple generations before your body adapts to what this, your, all this r- random factors. So you're only really like, especially for like one of my things is porn is so weird on our brain. I, porn fucks us. Yeah. I think porn, I, it's one of, I've quit almost everything. Porn's one of the few things I mentioned, I think a couple months in porn's one of the few things I've never really quit. Because you don't want to, I 100% want to, but it's like when I'm like, I can see some naked ladies fucking and I'm like, oh, but it's so weird on us that especially obviously like, I don't think it's normal sex and like fine kinks and whatever. Okay. But I always, this is always for me, I I flag this. I haven't gotten it totally working the premise, but like back in the day, we'd live in a group of a hundred, right? And once in a while we'd intermingle, we'd be like, okay, Pintalis, you're going to live in another tribe that's going to connect us. We'll see you every fucking six years and it'll be cool. And you can fuck somebody, spread the genes. But otherwise you have like a hundred people and you have access to like five ladies that you're like allowed to try to have sex with. And they're allowed to have sex with you. If you click on a porn thing and you're on um, Pornhub, you'll see like a thousand of the most beautiful women and your brain just can't compute that. It's just not, it can't, it's too much. I can't believe this is happening. This is happening. And so that's where we talk about like men who get too much pussy access. Like all of them sort of talk about, they're like, ideally you find friends and especially women that early on connect with you before you have fame. Yeah. Cause after it changes and I saw really good and you'll start to experience it a bit now. There was like, um, Tupac was talking and he said, man, it was so weird. When I was just me, I go to clubs, girls wouldn't fuck with me. All of a sudden, that's Tupac. And these girls are like, you're so cute. You're so great. And he's like, you just want me for the fame. You don't want me for me. And so it's really hard on men because we have this biology that's like come in everything. We come in everything. But it really... But society... Yeah, I've talked about how weird it is that men... Women have a... Uh, they can't live the way... Like biologically, they're done to a society. But same thing yeah. with men. Men, biologically, they're supposed to come in everything. Yeah. But societally, that wouldn't work. Like if you're fucking sure. impregnating everyone, it's not going to work in this society. No. But biologically, that's what you're meant. It's so fucking strange. But it's also a Other animals that, don't have that. No, no. They can just keep fucking. But yeah. we also have, because there's like the biology and the like uh, uh, the medulla, like your reptilian brain and your brain stem and then your mammalian brain and then your uh, frontal cortex, which is kind of the human personality bullshit. But it's kind of funny because like um, if you talk to the Wilt Chamberlain, he's like, oh, I fucked 20,000 women. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't rewarding, right? And he's like, "You want to find people you connect with and fuck them; it's way better." Also, it's like, "Hey, let us fuck a few thousand and see how unfun yeah. it is." Let we'll- me test this theory. <laughs> but I do think it's really hard that you just have access to way too much. And like, I remember I was on the bus, and even a homeless guy, he was like, "Dude, the food is fucking us. We shouldn't have this much food. It's driving us insane." Like, you go to the grocery store, it's too much, overwhelming. Of like, what cheese should I get? And you have more when you go to the grocery store. You have more access to food and variety than Louis the Sun King did. Yeah. He, the, a, a country revolted and murdered him for what you could access at the metro. So we have this weird system where there's way too much of everything and that we're not physically in it. So it's really hard to build the little mores and folkways of the structures of society that keep your meat suit where you're like healthy, as you said. Like, And I, I think it's important for men that you flagged a little bit is like, because we all know there's creepers and we'll be like, dude, you can't, you're yeah. fucking, you got to tone that down. Like you're making me uncomfortable. You don't even want to fuck me. Like that's yeah. totally, that's totally not cool, bro. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's so important to tell boys, Hey, you're going to leer. Your dick is going to be like, well, that's a nice ass. And it's okay to have a little look, right? That's normal. But you also, if you like get that energy and that aggressive bullshit, you're going to make her so uncomfortable. Yeah. So you got to be aware of it. And rather than shame it for existing to acknowledge, it's acknowledge part of, and work with it. Yes. And yeah. acknowledge it's part of it. And don't be like, Oh, men and women and everybody's the same. You're like, no, no, we all have very, no, no, we're all very different. We're all very different. We should embrace our differences. I don't we like this to. whole, everyone is the same thing. Cause yeah. it's not, I don't, I don't like the bullshit. Yeah. It's, it's a lie. Yeah. It's not real. It's not real. Yeah. No.
there are some MMA fighters that are women that yeah. I might be able to beat up. Some. Oh yeah, yeah. That I might be able to, and, and I have no training. Yeah. Little street fighter, but it's not training. <laughs> but I mean, it's just because of size and, and yeah. bone density and all that. Yeah. So we're, I'm, I'm just, that's just one example. But even the way we're hardwired to think is different. Even amongst guys yeah. or women, everyone is different. And that's yeah. a good thing. I don't yeah. want everyone to be the same. We, we're not, and it helps us. And yeah. to accept that these are part of it. And like you can all have, and obviously within a demo, you still have huge variants. But yeah. there's, it's very hard because people don't want any generalization. And we're, we're, we're pattern-seeking species. So similar, when I see a line, I want to be like, it's going to eat me. Yeah. Right, and if I'm like one line didn't eat me, I'm still should be like most lines will eat me. But one guy's friendly, and you're like, no, no, but that's not the norm. No, so it's hard because there are sweeping generations you can make about a bunch of shit. And you don't want to get into fucking eugenics, but like, like culturally or like biologically, there's predisposition. Like I believe like China has a huge uh, myopic problem where they have eyesight issues, and oh, it's shit. like in their gene or like similar like uh, Lac Saint Jean. There's literally they have a disease in Lac Saint Jean because their biology pool didn't move because oh. in that weird little lake there. So I forget there's some weird disease because they're all inbred. They have the same disease. But we have similar shit when people come from areas You're like these guys had sun, these guys had this food. Yeah. And we haven't got far enough that we have like different branches. We're all human and there's not like if we had like hey, these guys were over there for 4 million years without us, yeah. we might see some real holy shit that's a different like just, yeah. Um, and well, I we love Louis, fucking Martians. Oh, one day we can hope. Yeah. I love Louis' bit though about being like um, the differences between men and women are like that's deep. Like he's like racism. That's shallow. We can get over that. But yeah. sexism, that's in there. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking funny. That's deep. Yeah, exactly. fucking Louis is the best. But Dion, uh, you're the best for being here. Oh, you're great. Links are in the description. Uh, they should follow you online because yeah. you're having a lot of fun and you're posting it. Yeah. If they're seeing this and it's in the future, because that's the beauty about podcasts, they yeah. always stay up there. And they're in Europe. Where are they going to catch you this winter? Um, I'm going to do a couple shows here. Hopefully, you maybe hit up the new Wardell. Like, I yeah. generally super appreciate. I think I'm going to do a show at the Bike Cafe December 17th. I'll try to do that little 50-seater that's on the canal. So, I'll post nice. about that. And then uh, you can catch me all January. I'm in London at a whole bunch of different clubs. I'll do a solo show at the end of that run. And then I'll be in uh, the Netherlands, Belgium for February and March. And then probably Barcelona end of March. And then theoretically Berlin for three or four months. But as I said, I book three or four months out. So, just find me online, Diano and all that bullshit. And as I said, the links will be there. I really appreciate listening and like guys uh, uh, I do a lot of comedy a lot of people uh, Pendelis has been one of the few people who's been incredibly kind works hard he's funny and that's so invaluable so I generally on behalf of uh, other fellow comics busting your ass appreciate what you're doing uh, let's keep uh, let's keep moving these young folks forward and ourselves keep getting better thank you bro Dion Owen links are in the description we built this prison cell cause we can't trust ourselves Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.